my experience with the thermic cycle for the first time. Going back and forth between the sound and the cold plunge was being a Californian, standing on the edge of Lake Superior in a swimsuit in the middle of winter with, you know, wind coming up off the lake and, you know, people bundled up walking out uh, along the lake walk and looking at me like I was absolutely out of my mind. And I felt great. For the first time, I was outside in winter and I felt fantastic and I was wearing nothing but a swimsuit. Welcome to the open air. This is Jesse Raisler, and you're listening to Open Air Humans, stories about how we can live a happier, healthier, more creative life outdoors. This episode is brought to you by the Open Air Outpost, a new nature escape with luxury tiny cabin and glamping options just two hours northeast of the Twin Cities. It's a place where we made it easy to put into practice all the wisdom we've learned from the guests on this very show. You can even book unique experiences with some of them as part of your stay. And in the coming winter months, you can experience our new Goodland wood-burning hot tub and a spacious wood-burning sauna. Use the code PODCAST to get 10% off your stay. You can learn more at openairoutpost.com. Today on the show, we're coming to you from the inside of the Outpost sauna, a cedar-lined room with a wood-fired oven that's covered in hundreds of stones that will heat up just as the room does and are there to create steam when water is poured over them. This is elemental alchemy, and it happens to be rapidly growing in popularity. But just what does this ritual mean to the good people of the northern climates that have been practicing it for centuries, especially as the days grow colder and darker as they are now? And what more can it do for both your body and your mind when you combine it with an even more ancient practice of cold therapy, cold immersion? Here today to dig into that ritual and the physiology behind it are Leah Horton and Travis Norman. Together, they lead guests on forest bathing experiences and thermic cycle experiences, combining the sauna with the cold plunge in northern Minnesota at their nature retreat, Silvai Spiritus. They've joined me here at the Open Air Outpost just as our sauna is coming up to temperature. Not just to talk about sauna and cold plunge, but to experience it together as the stories unfold. Leah and Travis, thank you for joining me in the open air sauna today. It's definitely the first (laughs) episode to be recorded in a sauna, so... Happy to have another first. I'm glad it was you too. I know you're no stranger to this environment, guiding um, sauna, cold plunging, forest bathing, sound, sound bathing. Is that do you call it sound bathing or sound? Yeah, I'm going with meditative sound immersion, hoping to take it even deeper than the standard sound bath. Lovely. Well, yeah, just a, a beautiful variety of of wellness um, activities to be to be done up at uh, Silvai Spiritus, your nature retreat. And today we're in the sauna because I would love to dig past like the the simple sort of sensual pleasure of sauna and talk about maybe the origins but for sure the physiology of both this practice and also when you combine it with cold plunging um i believe a term i've heard is thermal cycling what can happen so but before we get into all that i'd love to hear just a little bit 
about what drew you into guiding people on these sort of nature-based wellness experiences? Um, I'll take that one. So uh, I actually had uh, a, a long love affair with nature and was raised uh, camping and hiking and things like that in our family. And um, I think it was maybe my 35th or 36th birthday, I decided to go up to the Boundary Waters. And um, while we were there, our very last night, we were going to be portaging out the next day. And there was a convergence of two massive storms. And a massive blowdown. We lost our trails. It took us, it was supposed to take us three hours to leave. It took us 21 hours to leave. Uh, it was a really intense experience. And in my experience with life, when things are traumatic, we then shy away from them. But for some reason, and I can't explain it, my whole being was called into deeper relationship with nature. I just wanted to understand it better. I wanted to be in more relation with nature. And so there was um, one day where I was just tootling around on the internet and all of a sudden saw a, uh, an article on National Public Radio's website about forest bathing which I had heard about um, years prior. And I was like, oh, of course, Japan has everything cool. And But then in this article, they talked about some uh, a certified nature and forest therapy guide who was practicing out of D.C. And hearing that title, I thought, oh, my gosh, what is that? What is that? There's a certification? I want to do that. It was like the universe hit a tuning fork and my heart just vibrated in return. And so I looked up the organization. I immediately signed up for their training. I got myself certified over the course of six months study and have been guiding uh, forest bathing and nature relation practice ever since. What a powerful, like, you know, coming from the film world, I talk, talk about inciting incident, like what put you on the path? What a powerful thing to experience and not what you maybe typically hear. That's wild. Um, before we uh, get get a little bit further into that, can you just give folks who don't know, maybe don't know about forest bathing, just like a quick overview of what that practice looks and feels like? Absolutely. So forest bathing was developed in the mid-1980s by the Japanese Ministry of Agriculture, Forestry, and Fisheries. And um, now, of course, with the caveat that uh, indigenous cultures worldwide have been practicing nature relation for millennia. But what happened in Japan in the mid-1980s is that the government realized that they were suffering from a national health epidemic. And so they also realized that the people who were having more uh, immersive experiences in nature or living in nature were not succumbing to these same diseases at the same prevalence. And so they decided to go and study it and discovered uh, all sorts of wonderful health benefits of of mindful and bodyful time spent in nature. And we can get into the physiology of that later. But the point being is that it, this practice became solidified in Japan in the mid-1980s. And basically, it is a way of physically slowing down our bodies. And in turn, that activates our vagus nerve, which is responsible for our autonomic nervous system, so our rest and digest versus fight or flight. 
It brings us into our parasympathetic nervous system, which is that rest and digest and reset, recharge. Um, and so with forest bathing, we'll take people out into nature. We will provide a series of what are referred to as invitations, which are just sort of frames in which you can consider engaging with nature. And then um, we come back and we do a little bit of light touch sharing with the group. And uh, and then we com conclude with tea that's usually harvested from the land, uh, from the walk that we were on. And um, it, it's really incredible to hear the people's responses to this practice. Oftentimes people consider the woods as a place that you go from one place to another place. I think of it in terms of hiking, right? It's like conquest. And instead, forest bathing brings us into community. Powerful distinction. I love like the mindfulness aspect of that. And I also love the mindfulness aspect of what happens when we sit in this cedar lined room together. And um, it also slows you down. And I think takes your mind to places or calms it in a way that maybe is a parallel. I'd love to hear like your thoughts on that and, and how you went from and we were guiding people for spinning and, and you were as well too, right, Travis? Yeah, almost immediately after Leah began her journey, uh, I was heavily intrigued by learning about the physiological and the psychological effects of uh, that type of a practice on uh, us as humans. And while that drew me in, it's much simpler. What keeps me in it is that I've just seen it work. I've just seen it repeatedly do what it purports to do both on the physiological aspects, but also on the sense of community and connection with oneself and with other humans and with the land itself. Is that a reason why you came to SAR? How did you find that? Yeah, um, we, well, <laughs> the reason we found sauna is that I was raised in San Diego, California, which is a very temperate atmosphere. And, um, but I was born in Minnesota, so I had deep roots in this place. And Coming here and living here, I realized that my body was not acclimated to these extreme temperatures. And I suffered for many, many years um, with winter in Minnesota. It just was, again, it was that conquest thing. It was a thing to get through so that then I could enjoy the rest of the seasons. And I finally ended up, my gateway to sauna was uh, this little storefront in St. Paul called Awaken for Wellness. And they have infrared saunas in each one of these private rooms. And I thought, well, let me give that a try and see what that's like. Because I thought I hated sauna. My experience with it was in gyms and it was dirty and it stunk and like <laughs> it was hot. I was like, why do people do this? This is awful. I could maybe make it 15 minutes if I'm lucky. And Infrared sauna really changed that relationship for me because I could breathe the air in the room. I thought, well, wait, this this maybe is not as bad as I thought. And then we decided, Travis and I together, we were up in Duluth and we saw Cedar and Stone's flagship sauna on Lake Superior. And we we're like, well, let's give that a try. We signed up and they guided us through the thermic cycle, which was something we had never experienced before. The hot, cold, rest, rehydrate, repeat, and so in the course of an hour and a half, you might do that cycle five times. And that ability to regulate yourself just is magical and also expand your personal 
comfort and your personal resilience and your relationship with extreme temperatures in general. And so experiencing that was just mind-blowing. It was world, like axis shifting, world expanding. It was so beautiful. And so we realized that that was going to be the perfect complement to forest bathing because you are brought into a relationship with, like you said, the cedar wood, the smell of the steam rising off the rocks, the crackle of the fire. This is a fully embodied experience, and this is not a place that you really can think very well, because again, your body's being forced into your sympathetic nervous system. So you start, you start to lose your, you, the executive functioning, the things that make us sort of uniquely human, you tend to lose in the sauna because your body is just focused on being a body. And what a magical gift that is. Like that's, that's what meditation is trying to get us to. Presence. This is like forced presence. You mentioned the term bodyfulness, which is one that I think we coined uh, in the sense that for many folks, mindfulness can be something to aspire to, but frequently trip over in your efforts to get there. Some people immediately react by saying, oh, I'm never doing it right. And so bodyfulness uh, seeks to get you to the same place, but through the simple act of paying attention to the income of your senses and what's happening in the moment, uh, being in the sound is very much the same way where it's direct experience, it's pre-analytical before you even have a chance to engage that analytical part of your mind uh, to just be in the direct experience on it. What was it, if you can think back to, like you said, it was axis shifting, that first, you know, thermal cycling experience, like both in the moment, what was it? And then afterwards, were there things that you felt or experienced after that made you go like, we have to not only keep doing this, but bring this to people who have never done it before? Being in the moment can just be such a challenge for folks. So to realize how effectively that goal could be achieved uh, for anyone. It's it's uh, it's not fancy. It's not out of reach for anyone. It's uh, uh, in both nature connection and forest bathing or sauna. You know, these are parts of the human experience for as long as we've been having human experiences. So for me, it feels like a way to really reconnect with a lot of those experiences that shaped us and guided our evolution to become the people we are today. And uh, while I'm certainly thrilled and intrigued by plenty of the cutting edge modern developments unfolding in our world. I'm also aware that to everything we say yes to, we are by default saying no to so much else. And I'm just looking to keep these as a part of a, a, the priority of, of the human experience is to keep in touch with these aspects. And helping people to increase their resilience and their own sense of being able to tap into their inherent inner strength and meet the challenges in their life. You know, you introduce your body to this stressor situation and come out of it feeling better. I think that helps people realize that they're able to rise up to a lot more than they may have given themselves credit for. Yeah, that was a, a big thing for my wife, Jen, and I. Um, when we first started cutting holes in the ice, we are fortunate enough to live on a lake, so we started cutting holes in the ice. I think it was, uh, we had read some Wim Hof, and that's who introduced us to this Um we hadn't had the, the cedar and stone experience, but I would love to. It sounds lo lovely up there. Um, 
And so we just started getting in the water and we had um, just an electric sauna in our basement that was there when we moved in and started doing that. And same thing, like, yeah, in the moment, like, I felt like I, I said to Jen, like, I feel like I could have never run a marathon, but I feel like I could right now. Like as soon as we got out of the water and it just uh, felt incredible. And then again, like you said, the next day there was just, I don't know, like little work stuff that might have got under my skin didn't. Like I just didn't, I, I, was, I wasn't as easily uh, frustrated. So it was like the little things that might normally bother me didn't. And then also same thing with resilience. It's like, I don't think what just happened is such a big deal as maybe I normally would. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I want to talk about sort of the mental health benefits as well as the physical, but I'm super curious. All of our bodies are heating up right now. The sweat and seeing beads of sweat on all of us, I, I feel like I'm dripping. Um, what's going on and, and why is it why is it helpful? Sure. So when you step into a sauna and give your body time to heat up, um, this is a mild grade stressor. And it's our body responds much like we are experiencing moderate exercise. And so again, uh, our autonomic nervous system switches from that uh, rest and digest mode into the, the heightened awareness mode of stress that's happening. We get a flood of cortisol, which is a stress hormone that often people are always trying to avoid. But again, it's sort of like it, it, you can't have light without dark for reference. Same thing, like you can't have joy without stress for reference. And so there is a flood of cortisol. There's other stress hormones that come in as well. Uh, there's also a flood of, um, what were those called again? Neuropeptides. Neuropeptides. Such as dynorphins. Yeah, neuropeptides, such as dynorphins. So all of a sudden... Can you say more about what is a neuropeptide? <laughs> no. <laughs> I know that, I know that, so, so I can explain this, how's this? I know that dynorphins are a neuropeptide, but dynorphins, again, are a stress hormone that come and start flooding our body. And they're like, oh God, oh God, this is horrible. This is horrible. This is not okay. Your whole body's uncomfortable. Things are happening and you really need to change your circumstances right this minute. But meanwhile, your endorphins are like, whoa, hey, buddies, come on, it's okay, it's okay, let's try to even everything out so this can be okay so we don't freak out. Find balance. Find that balance. We want that equilibrium. And then as soon as you take the stressor away, so as soon as you step outside this door, boom, those dynorphins are super short-lived and they fall away. And what you're left with is this longer-lived endorphin bliss that just hangs out, which is really lovely. Additionally, physiologically, what's happening is we're experiencing vasodilation. So our blood vessels are opening up. It's trying to be really efficient, our body, by releasing heat, trying to make sure that our, our internal organs don't get overheated, and keeping our brain cool, all of these things. And so our, uh, our blood pressure, if we have high blood pressure, That'll decrease because everything is flowing significantly more efficiently at this point. That being said, our heart rate also increases much like you're on a run. And so then again, once you step outside, everything cools down again. And that heart rate, even though it will increase, your heart is working about half as hard as it normally has to work, even though it's uh, an increased rate of blood flow happening. But since you're 
capillaries have expanded, your heart is having a really easy time of things. So when we talk about, you know, combining the cold exposure with the heat and the thermal cycle, like based on how we're feeling right now, like, are we there yet? Should we get a little bit hotter? How do you normally approach that? Well, it's, do you want to take oh, it? Just, just in that, you know, there are uh, such a wide gamut of approaches to this practice, some of which are more intensely focused on, for instance, uh, you know, sports recuperation or uh, some of the other medical benefits, whereas we're in the forest, we're trying to get people to kind of like a holistic equilibrium. And so the one bit of uh, rule following that we advise is just quite simply to listen to your body. So whenever the right amount of time in both hot or cold is for you as an individual is something that only you can determine. So we really try to urge people not to enter into this as though we're trying to impress one another or win some endurance challenge against one another and to really just maintain uh, an awareness of your internal state and to listen to your body. And so at Sylvie Spiritus, we offer three different types of cold exposure. So we have cold plunge tubs that you can fully immerse in. We've got uh, a bucket shower in the summer months or in the winter months, we have a bucket with a ladle that you can ladle cold water over yourself. And we encourage people to get their face and their chest at a minimum just because that activates your vagus nerve and again gets you back into that rest and digest. And then we also offer um, washcloths that are in ice water with cedar scented essential oil in there. And you can wipe those all over your body and you can bring those inside. And when it's, you know, it's 15 degrees outside right now, like it's already a solid 100 plus degrees colder, like simply just standing outside. It's golden. That's or pretty good. Never forget the easy thrill of uh, a forest snow angel as a method <laughs> yeah. for achieving cold in a hurry. I was going to say, that's what our plan is here. We got the the trickle shower for the summer months, but in winter, you know, the snow will, will, will pile up here too. And we're hoping to eventually do something out in the lake so we could immerse out there, but we got to figure out what that, that looks like. But in the meantime, I know you have a Goodland tub, as do we. Um, so that can be a great option. It's a wood-burning hot tub, also cedar wood. So you're moving from cedar to cedar, which I love about it. Um, keeps it a very sensual experience and also the wood burning. So um, you're getting your heat there. But if you don't heat it up, you've got a great cold plunge tub. Um, so one thing we haven't done here, um, I've become like Pavlovian to the sizzle of the water on the rocks. Like I hear that. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, so if one of you would want to do the honors, maybe we can heat up a little bit more and then head to the plunge dumps. Sure. Good. Perfect. And, and I don't know if you have anything to add about like, what does the steam add? And I know there are, we've, we've talked about like, there's electric, there's a wood saunas. What does the water hitting those rocks do and also mean? I know culturally that's a, a tradition too. Culturally, it's been fascinating. Uh, we have added into... Uh, the direct translation of our business name, Silvi Spiritus, is Latin for the breathing of the forest, which operates on a couple of different levels. Uh, one, the reciprocal nature of trees breathing out what we are breathing in and vice versa. Uh, second, in a more literal sense, where you're being exposed to what are called phytoncides, these chemicals that they're emitting that are so beneficial to our own immune system. So you're in a literal immersive aromatherapy session for yourself. And now with the sauna, uh, you know, the, the Finnish folks particularly consider the act of Lolu to be the, the heart and soul, the essence, the spirit of the experience, if you will. And after a bit of research, we found that there are some 20 plus cultures in the world that have a single shared word for both spirit and steam. 
So that's a fun new added layer of meaning for our business. So additionally, with adding adding water to the rocks, you're adding, some people refer to it as adding soul to the room. Really, I'm going to add a, a log in kind of let this, we were having so much fun talking, I let our fire get a little. <laughs> It's such a complex experience, I feel it's almost beyond the capability of words to really convey what the experience is like to somebody who hasn't done it before, but it's just a, a, a release and a, a surrender in the positive sense of that word, I think, where it just really overtakes you and brings you into that present moment and nothing else. Should we head up there? Sure, yeah. sounds good. So we've exited the warmth of the sauna. The air temp is, I think, about 18, 17, 18 degrees, something like that. Refreshing. Refreshing. We've got some beautiful flurries coming down in our water temp. We got here about, oh, about 45 degrees, so right. somewhere in between. For me, what works personally uh, to make this experience, uh, to help me get over the considerable mental hump, is just to take the decision-making part of it out of the equation, to reassure myself that I've already decided ahead of time that this was an experience that I want. No more time for thinking. Now is the time for action. And are you regulating your breathing in any way? I do. The only other bit of advice that uh, works for me is just to focus on a single exhale all the way down to get myself fully immersed. Travis went into his knees and is now lowering in to his chest and is fully in. Okay. I uh, am much less graceful than Travis. You might hear me hooting, <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay? half the fun. Here we go. Love a good hoot. Okay. By the way, what you're wearing on your feet, I really appreciate. <gasps> Often my toes are the first to be pulled. So. Right. <gasps> so I've got little neoprene booties on my feet, and I have them lofted out of the water. I also have my hands lofted out of the water at this moment, and I am up to my neck. Yeehaw, this is living. <laughs> so what's happening right now is that first what happens is that your heart rate just shoots up and your breathing rate shoots up. But the moment you can actually gain control of your breath. Your heart rate will start to decrease significantly. And so coming out of the sauna, oftentimes my heart rate will get up to like 140 beats per minute. And right now it's probably closer to about 70 or 65. And we're so entering again, the euphoria phase though. Now having made it through the first minute, if you can pass that threshold, there is a, a point of diminishing difficulty that does unfold for you after you pass that threshold, yeah. which is different for every person. Yeah. So like everything aches right now. And But we sure do know we are alive. <laughs> What's also happening, I think I already mentioned this, so there's that, that vasoconstriction. So all of our blood vessels are immediately kind of cinching up. And the reason they're doing that is to, again, uh, pool all of the resources around our internal organs so that they stay warm and healthy and so that we're not in danger. 
Mm -hmm. um, I've now gotten to the point, however, where even though my entire body aches, <laughs> my hands are colder than what's in the water. And I wish I had those neoprene booties because for me, the, the catalyst for me getting out is going to be my feet, which are unprotected. I have some neoprene gloves at the moment, but your extremities get the coldest the quickest. So we often recommend that people attempt the inverted turtle and uh, stick their feet and their hands out of the water for a little added <laughs> endurance and resilience. But I have about maxed out on mine. <laughs> Oh, when he moves around, the, the water gets colder again. And then we also urge people, despite all your inclinations, saying to run immediately back to the hot room, to not neglect that portion of rest, but to really let yourself come to equilibrium in the fresh air before heading back in. So stepping back into the sauna after the cold plunge, you, you mentioned a, a tingling. Tell, tell yes. me about the tingling. What, it, what does that feel like and what does that mean? Mm, um, yeah, so right now my entire body, anything that was submerged is just tingling. Like everything is, all of my nerves are just firing. And I am experiencing that bliss and experiencing, again, the, the joyousness that happens. Um, the other piece that I'm experiencing is any place that was submerged feels like I don't have a barrier anymore between my existence and the rest of the world. It's like I don't have skin anymore. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me, there's a clarity, too, both of thought and just of being uh, and a sense of aliveness that feels sharp and clear and not muddied or muddled in any sense. Oh, I love that about it too. Well, well put. Um, well, we talked a lot about the, the physical of what's happening. Is there anything more in terms of like now that we're back in heat from cold, is it sort of the same thing happening again? Or is there something more that happens from multiple exposures to cold and to heat? I think upon returning to the hot room after cold, most people are potentially jaw-droppingly amazed at how vastly improve their own endurance and relationship with the hot is after experiencing extreme cold you come back into a 180 degree room like it's no big deal and truthfully it's not for you you've acclimated in a really wonderful way yeah there's i'm sure there are some physiological pieces that i'm just not aware of <laughs> as far as the the going back and forth between the two but i will have to say is that by by the end when we right before we left this hot room and we're heading out to cold it had gotten to the point where it felt oppressive and I was getting uncomfortable. I was getting fidgety. My body was feeling a little agitated. And now I feel uh, enlivened. I feel sprightly. I feel, you know, no discomfort or any kind of joint concern. Mm. I just feel really refreshed, like, like, I was given a glass of ice water on a blistering hot day, and it just felt like heaven. Indeed. I think it's really that bouncing back between extremes that produces the increased elasticity of our cardiovascular system and our respiratory system. And bouncing back between those extremes strengthens the whole system all the way through. And so that contrast is really where the magic happens. One of the other um, physiological things that I had read about, I think it was from 
someone who was almost, it was a journalist that was almost trying to debunk Wim Hof, right? Like, mm -hmm. is he inflating these claims of what's happening or not? And I think part of that science was what you mentioned in terms of the veins, you know, uh, our body is sending blood to protect organs and it's sending blood to areas that maybe blood doesn't always reach or the fact that your skin is red is like proof of something that's happening that there's oxygen flowing into places that maybe there wasn't, right? What does that do for us? It really helps the skin. Uh, that's kind of what gets prioritized for the heart's work is it starts in sending increased amounts of blood to your skin. And so a lot of people report a, you know, a real smoothness and a vitality to their skin afterwards. There's also a book called uh, Breath by James Nestor. And he talks about how um, our bodies sometimes have an experience where the more we breathe, we're actually we're actually experiencing less efficient forms of getting oxygen to our cells. And so there's a certain element of exhalation and oxygen deprivation that assists in oxygen getting to the places it needs to be in our bodies. Sure. And so for me, I know that when things are uncomfortable, I I tend to breathe poorly and or hold my breath or, you know, forget to inhale and every now and then all of a sudden it's this, oh yeah, have to breathe. And um, and so I think that there's a lot happening too with the playfulness of our breath. Um, and, and I say playfulness, like we have, like we have um, control over it. And to some extent we do, but when we are experiencing these extreme shifts, there are things that happen with our breathing apparatus that are entirely out of our control and it's our body taking over that autonomic nervous system. Indeed. And yet on the other side of that coin, our breath is the only avenue, the direct avenue with which we have to interact with our autonomic nervous system. Everything else is beyond our control entirely, but our breath and our awareness of our breath is at least something that we can attempt to modulate on our own and, and interact with those systems in a direct way. I feel like this is a beautiful practice for anyone, but especially for those of us that live in the northern climate where these next months coming up are going to be a bit colder, a bit darker, and it just changes. It's changed completely how I view the season. And for people that, you know, uh, feel the effects of a season, you know, seasonal disorder of any kind, I think it can be an amazing boon there. Um, is there anything you have to add in terms of what this practice has, has brought to how you view uh, this season and then maybe as a closing if there's any other advice you have for folks that want to stay closer to nature during the season where it can be uncomfortable unless you're properly outfitted to be outside um, how do you stay close to nature in these winter months mm, there certainly has been a shift in our relationship to the season uh, it feels so empowering to stand out on our sauna deck in the forest in a bathrobe and feel not only comfortable but triumphant i think that goes a long way towards helping to embrace the season and bring that enhanced sense of strength and resilience through you you know with you throughout your day mm -hmm. i've also found that thermic cycling or at the very very least just finishing a shower with 30 seconds of cold water um is one of those things that to me before practicing thermic cycling sounded like absolute hell. But now having the experience of hot and cold, I do finish my showers cold. And that helps me feel warm throughout the day in Minnesota winters. 
And I am someone who's absolutely susceptible to seasonal affective disorder. It's very real. It's very measurable. And it does psychologically affect people, that lack of light, that lack of exposure to vitamin D, because our our skin is the largest organ for getting vitamin D exposure. And so a lot of us are deficient. Um, but I've noticed that it used to be my experience was heat up your car and then run to your car. And then from your car, you got to bundle up to get somewhere else inside. And it was always this like run to get to the next place that's going to keep you warm. Whereas now with this practice, I'm so much more comfortable outside in the winter. I actually seek uh, outdoor experiences in the winter. I will forest bathe on my own in the winter. I will go, we will go uh, uh, snowshoeing in the winter. Like we seek out ways to be engaged in nature and enjoy the cold now. I've, I've been the same and I found there's a profound quiet in the winter that you can only experience in the season. And it's only if you prepare yourself to be outside in, in those extreme temperatures that you get to experience that. You hear the wind in a way that you don't hear in the summertime. There's just a, a lot more that you notice or the lack of things throws other things into focus, I guess. That's really special. I agree. I think this practice gives you the, the confidence to be like, oh, I can be outside right now, even though it's maybe 20 20 degrees or 20 below zero even, um, you can find a way to, to, to make that comfortable. You're going to experience new things. It does. I think developing a, a nature connection practice really helps to reframe the story you tell yourself about your place in this world and your ability to engage with it. And uh, some of the insights that might become so readily apparent during a forest bathing session such as we are of nature, there is no line drawn in the sand. We are nature every bit as much as any of the other beings we might encounter out there. And I think that that reframing of story is so important as we move through these challenging times that are present for humanity at the moment. Uh, you know, we protect what we love. And if we can regard the natural world that, you know, we are coming out of we are not we are not strangers or aliens to this land we have come out of this space and it is of us and if we can regard the rest of the living world as our kin not only does it inspire and perhaps motivate us to help protect that world but i think it also helps uh foster a sense of, of belonging uh, there's so much sense of being cut off and isolation that's prevalent in our cultures these days and I think that that can be a really effective antidote to that sense of disconnection where you can feel a sense of belonging with your other members of the more than human world the plants and the animals who also call this place home To experience sauna or thermic cycling for yourself, we welcome you here at the Open Air Outpost. You can visit Leah and Travis at Sylvai Spiritus in northern Minnesota. Or if you're in the Duluth area, you can visit Cedar and Stone and their new floating sauna, which looks to be a very unique experience. If you're in Minneapolis, the Four Seasons now has a seasonal sauna experience thanks to a partnership with Cedar and Stone. And the sauna has become more popular in recent years. There are dozens of other 
both hourly rental saunas along the North Shore, even mobile saunas uh, delivered to your doorstep with companies like Little Ember Co. serving the Twin Cities area. So there's no shortage of uh, sauna in the Great North right now. We'd love to hear from you um, once you get to experience sauna in combination with Cold Plunge and, and hear what it does for you. Drop us a note at openairhumans at gmail.com. Thanks for spending your time with us and sharing your life with us out here in the open air. Mm-hmm.